0: to pilgrim's progress i'm pastor ray Greenley from the national prayer chapel last night was a tough night for me i didn't sleep well i was awake much of the night praying struggling this third commandment it's wrecking me it's the most terrifying commandment to me of all the ten it cuts right at the heart of intellectual piety, of knowledge without practice, of knowledge without intimacy with Jesus. And today we're so well educated in the gospel. We all know Jesus died for our sins. That's not That's not something we don't know intellectually. But this third commandment, it just cuts right through to the heart. I'd like to pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit to cut right through in our hearts that we could have not just intellectual understanding, but emotional understanding and spiritual understanding of what it is you're asking us for, of how it is you want us to walk in this world in this short time that we have on the face of this earth. Lord, would you come with mighty power? Would you open our hearts and our minds Would you teach us the way of the cross? Lord, I I come and present before you those who are listening. And I ask, Lord, that today you would come and do a work, a mighty work in our hearts, that you would heal the wounds inflicted by the devil, that you would bind the powers of darkness that would come and assail us and lie to us and deceive us about our relationship with you, Jesus. Will you come, Holy Spirit of the living God? Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, the third great commandment that God gave on Mount Sinai is a very short one but extremely sharp in its edges. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Well, we've traditionally blown this commandment off as meaning don't curse. Don't use the name of the Lord in a in a curse as a curse word don't say things like oh god or golly as they used to say my mom would punish us for that because she said that was cursing well this commandment really is not about cursing it's about something much bigger and much deeper And it says the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses the name. The Jewish people in antiquity were terrified of this commandment because they understood guiltless to mean you could not be forgiven. In other words, you were guilty and you were separated from God because you misused his name. So they were careful not even to speak the name. But that doesn't get at the heart of the issue either. Because Jesus wants intimacy with us. Now, Jesus addressed this briefly in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me read it for you. It's in Matthew, the fifth chapter again you heard that it was said to them in ancient times you must not swear falsely but you must keep your oath to the lord but i say to you swear not at all neither by the heaven for it is the throne of god nor by the earth for it is the footstool of his feet nor by jerusalem for it is the city of the great king nor by nor may you swear by your head because You're not able to make one hair white or black. But your word must be yes, yes, or no, no. And whatever is more than this is out of the evil one. In other words, no pretense here. Recognize that you are not the Creator God. You don't have authority to change the heavens. You don't have the authority to take control of Jerusalem. The earth is his footstool. Let your answer just be yes or no, because you don't have the authority behind your name to say any more than yes or no. Now it's in that humbled position before God that we must begin today. And have you ever been a name dropper? Oh, I know so-and-so. Or don't you know who I am? No, we're nobody. And Jesus is saying, look, just make a decision. And your decision is based on a yes or a no. Don't pretend you're somebody. But now let's get right to the heart of the issue. And we begin to get at the heart of the issue when we go to chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, the true one. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts it off. And every branch bearing fruit, he always prunes. That it may be bearing more fruit. You're already clean by means of the word that I've spoken to you. You must remain in union with me and I with you. Just as the branch is not able to bear fruit from itself... If it may not remain in the vine, so neither can you. If you may not remain in union with me, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one remaining in union with me and I with him, that one bears much fruit, because apart from me, you are not able to do anything. Well, when I look at that passage of scripture and the rest of chapter 15, It's clear that we're to keep the commandments of God. And by keeping his commandments, we'll be able to remain in his love. But here's the difficulty. Most, and I too, have found this. This seed in my own heart. Where I want the intellectual information about Jesus. And I want to make a commitment to him. And I want to say, yes, Jesus, I will serve you. And then find that I really am also very interested in serving my own interests and not those of Jesus. Oh, part of the time I want to serve the interests of Jesus, but part of the time I want to take care of me. I want to take care of my interests. That's using his name in vain. That's saying, yes, Jesus, I agree with you. I will belong to you. I am yours. And then, going our own way. I asked a man yesterday, I said to him, what do you need to do to get right with Jesus? He said, oh, pastor, I'm all right with Jesus. I do this and this and this, and he began to enumerate a whole number of things that he did. I said, no, 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 no. This is not just about what you do. This is about what's going on in your heart. Have you given up full ownership of yourself to God? Now, don't be quick and answer, oh, yes, pastor, I've done that. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you say, yes, I've given up all authority to the Lord God of heaven, and I totally belong to him, is that intellectual piety on your part, or is it reality? Have you actually done that? And I'll tell you where I'm really struggling is that I find there are parts of my heart that evidently still very much want my comfort and my well-being and my prosperity and my success And the Lord has asked me to lay all of that down. Okay, I'm willing to. But my being willing to do it does not mean it's happened. It requires more. It takes more than my saying, yes, Jesus, I will serve you. It needs the actual miraculous work of almighty God. Person says to me, I totally give myself over to Jesus until somebody cuts them off on the road and almost hits them. And then they're angry, ready to call them whatever names are their favorite derogatory terms. And can I tell you, yes, it's a combination of what I have to change. But it's also what he has to change in me. It's both. I have to call sin by its right name. I must make the decision that I will serve Jesus. But you know what I'm finding in my own heart? I want to call it laziness. But I want to tell you it's not just laziness. I can excuse laziness by saying, I'm exhausted and I'm tired and so I need to rest. No, it's more than laziness. It's a perverse heart. It's a perverse heart. Brother Ed used on a broadcast lately as the the wording on the top of the broadcast a saying by Thomas Watson, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. And part of what I had to ask you today is, is sin bitter to you? until sin is bitter in our mouths, and I don't mean after you've just sinned. I mean, for any Christian, after they have grossly sinned, they've sat down and they've watched several hours of television or they have sat down and argued and been angry with the person. And then after the event has taken place, guilt comes in and and the sin is bitter in their mouth. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sin being bitter before you make that sin happen. Sin is a choice. It's voluntary. None of us have to sin. The scriptures say a way of escape has been made. So there is no excuse for sinning against God. Now, so I ask you, Is sin bitter in your heart, in your mouth, before you engage in it? That's what has to happen. Sin has to be identified. And then it has to be tagged with bitter poison. Don't touch. I live in a townhouse and the one just across the walkway about 20 or 30 feet away. I was walking on the sidewalk and I noticed poison ivy was growing up and covering one side of his house. Well, as soon as I see that poison ivy, I have bitter memories of times as a child when i had poison ivy and it covered my arms or my legs and it itched and scabbed and bled and oh poison ivy is bitter in my heart and i'm not going to touch it and one of the neighbors was watching as i looked at it and said pastor What is that you're looking at? I said, it's poison ivy. He said, whoa, it's poison ivy. I didn't recognize it. Yes, it's poison ivy. Well, do you want to just tear it out? No, I don't want to tear it out. It'll totally give me poison ivy. Well, how's she going to get rid of it or how he's going to get rid of it? Well, they're going to have to call a gardener or somebody who's not allergic to it. But I'm not going to touch it. Poison ivy is bitter to me. Why is poison ivy bitter? Because I've experienced it. How bitter is sin in your heart? Now, some of you have experienced the degradation of drugs and and sexual sin but is pride also equal in its bitterness in your mouth is your desire for money equally bitter in your mouth is your desire for violence on the television or in the videos or the movies or the video games is that equally bitter in your heart is that sugar that you so love is that bitter in your heart because sugar is poison to your system. And I love ice cream. I was blessed one of my dear brothers made homemade ice cream on Labor Day. Yes, I could eat some. The next couple days, I paid the price. So I fasted. When we mistreat our body, is that bitter in your mouth? Or do you think, this is my body, I can do what I want with it? Now, didn't Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, say, you were bought at a price? You are not your own. You see, there's such pride in ownership. And and we human beings think we own ourselves. And it goes against our grain to be told, you don't belong to you. You were bought at a price. You belong to Jesus Christ. You are not your own. You are not your own. You don't have a right to think what you want to think or to feel what you want to feel or go where you want to go. Those are not rights that you have. You have no right to sin. The Lord will not hold you guiltless when you have said, I will serve the Lord, and then in your anger and in your bitterness... You lash out at another person or you judge another person. You gossip about another person. You spread rumors about that person. He's not going to hold you guiltless. You are guilty before Almighty God. Now, I go to chapter 6. chapter 6 verse 11 so also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but living for god in christ jesus our lord therefore the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it and you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin But once for all, yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. Do you yield yourself as an instrument of righteousness, of innocence for God in dealing with your husband, in dealing with your wife, in dealing with women, in dealing with men? in dealing with your children. It greatly breaks my heart to see a parent jerking a child around and yelling at a child. You can do that when they're young, but they're going to grow up and you can't jerk an adult around anymore and they're going to blow you off and you'll have no influence in their life. No, there is stern lines of accountability that must be maintained with children. There's a cause and effect that must be maintained with them so that they learn righteousness. They learn what is right and what is wrong with with treats, with takeaway, even with spankings. But it is not jerking and destroying their dignity. do you use your hands and your lips as instruments of righteousness for God? If someone disagrees with you, do you write them off? I had some two men, brothers, down in Florida. I went down and baptized them. I went down to help them start a church. Very soon after they started the church, it blew up. Everybody left. I tried to talk with them about the issue. One of the brothers would refer to those people who walked away as garbage. He wanted nothing to do with them. They were garbage. They walked away. And then one evening they called me on the telephone. And this man began to talk with me about, do you hear from God? Do you know that God talks to you? Yes, I do. Well, you don't really know that pastor. And he began to judge me and criticize me. I didn't react with any bitterness or any anger. I listened humbly, carefully to what he was saying. And the next day, they weren't on the broadcast. They didn't listen. They weren't on the chat line. And I've never heard from them again. Well, I know why. I know why their church blew apart. I know why they don't have fruit. Because if you disagree with them or you don't line up with their demands, you're garbage. This is gross sin on their part against Almighty God. I share this because they were very prominent on the broadcast in prayers. They were very prominent on the on the YouTube chat. And many of you have said, Pastor, what happened to to those two men. Well, they were unable, they were unable to obey the third commandment. The third commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. They misused the name of God by calling me and calling others garbage, because we disagreed with them. They thought they were somebody, somebody great. And they were not. They had intellectual should I say it? They had intellectual piety. Now, this is a public sin, so I'm talking about it publicly. I don't address personal sin publicly. It's always public sin that's public. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Recognize you're not somebody who can Say, by the earth I am, or by the heavens I am, or by Jesus I am. I'm somebody. No, we're not somebody. We were bought at a price, we belong to Jesus, and none of us are garbage. You're not garbage. You're a precious son or daughter of the Most High God. So if I'm to take the position that because you don't contribute to this broadcast, or you disagree with me about what I teach on this broadcast, or if you don't listen to the broadcast, I'll call you garbage, or what? That would be sin against God. And he would not hold me guiltless. Do you understand? Now, I want to take this a step further with you. In chapter 7 of the book of Romans, verse 5, For when we used to be in the flesh, the passions of our sins through the law used to be at work in our members with the result that we bore fruit to death when I begin judging people and calling them garbage, I am bearing fruit to death. I am still walking in my flesh. I don't want to walk in my flesh. I hate it. It's bitter in my mouth. But now we were delivered from the law, having died, to that by which we used to be bound with reference to us to serve God in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Now, I'm going to try to say this, but it's, it's going to be construed by many of you as simply intellectual information, and I don't want you to do that. It's much more than intellectual information. You must be delivered from the law. And the only way you can be fully delivered from the law is to fully die. To fully put to death the body of flesh. That is the lust of the eyes. That is the lust of the heart. That is the lust of the devil. That is the lust of the world. You must come to a place where you are willing to recognize that you are nobody and you simply answer the questions. Yes, no, because you are hidden in Jesus Christ. He is everything for you. He is your house. He is your car. He is your money. He is your family. He is your lover. He is He is everything for you. You must die to everything that is yours, that gives you a place of standing in this world, that gives you the ability to look at another human being and say, you're garbage because you disagree with me. That is the violation of the third great commandment. Do you see why it's so terrifying to me? And it has told me that Pastor Ray Greenlee has not yet fully died to the law because it still comes in very key areas in my heart and condemns me. Now let me continue. But then shall we say the law is sin Certainly not. But I did not know sin except through the law. For I had not known lust except the law was saying you shall not lust. In other words, when I look at this third commandment, it demands that I only say yes or no. It demands that I not Take a position that I'm somebody. I'm nobody. People said to me, Pastor, you're a celebrity. You're on the radio. No, I'm not. I'm on the radio, but I'm not a celebrity. Are you kidding me? I'm a sinner. Changed and washed and healed by the blood of Jesus, not by my power. All that is good that is within me has come from Jesus Christ. It has not come by my hard work. It's not come by my discipline. It's not come by my exercise. It did not come from intellectual piety. It came from the person and the hand of Jesus Christ. Now, it goes on. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, having been sold under sin. Every one of us has been sold under sin. Yes, you have too. And the only way that's going to change is on your part to recognize your condition before a holy and righteous God and recognize your own unholiness and your own wickedness of heart. I almost called this broadcast the terror of having a wicked heart. For what I work out, I do not understand. For what I do, for what I do not will, this I practice. But what I hate, this I do. This is the condition of every human person. And if we simply rest in intellectual piety and say, yes, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm good to go, your heart is filled with pride. And you're not good to go at all. There's a much deeper work where sin has to be dug out of you. For I know that in me, that is in my unregenerate nature, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but to work out what is right, I find not. Can I tell you what I find in my soul? And this causes me great grief. I find at a certain level, there comes to my heart a casual indifference. Now that casual indifference is a lie. Because casual indifference will block me from what I most desire, which is Intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus does not happen by chance. It does not happen by information. It does not happen by intellectual piety. Intimacy with Jesus comes, yes, by keeping his commands and pouring my heart out in love for others, not judgment, not calling them garbage. Not treating them like garbage. Not treating them like they are less than me. There is a place of intimacy reserved for us in Jesus Christ. And we go so deep. And then when we get to a certain place, and some of you have no clue what I'm even talking about because... You're still walking in the lust of your television and you're still walking in the lust of your video games and your worldly entertainments and your work and your, your life. You have your life and you're working out your life. I'm not talking to you because you won't understand what I'm trying to say. I'm talking to those who are paying the price to walk with Jesus and as you walk with jesus you come to that place where you begin to recognize a casual indifference to jesus it's almost as though you say look i've come far enough i can't i can't go any further with i can't go any deeper with jesus it's too scary i'll lose too much the price is too high And you know, I started this walk when I was just a boy. And I always wanted more of Jesus. I always wanted dad to read the scriptures to me. I always wanted daddy to pray. I loved to hear my daddy pray. I loved to sit on his big lap as a little boy with his big black Bible open. He would read to me the scriptures. Created such a hunger in my heart. And then somewhere in seminary, I got sidetracked. Went out into the ministry. Went to work to be successful and became very successful. Large congregations. Public speaking venues. I was the man. And I hit my 40th birthday and I said, you know what? this is going to be the most productive 10 years of my life. I can be somebody. (laughs) And God pulled me out and put me in timeout for 10 years. I won't tell you that whole story, but my heart has had such a hunger for Jesus. And I've pursued him relentlessly as he has pursued me relentlessly. If you haven't ever read it, I urge you to to look up on the internet or, or buy the little booklet, The Hound of Heaven. The Hound of Heaven. He relentlessly chases us until we fall down and then we give up. And then he begins to lick our face. And that gives us renewed strength. And we get up and run from him again. You hear what I'm trying to say to you today? It's time to stop running. And when you come in your search after Jesus. Oh, just an aside. I've been told so many times by such smart people, Pastor, why don't you just rest in what you know about Jesus and everything's going to work out all right. You don't have to worry about anything. Jesus loves you. He's forgiven you for your sins. Relax. Let's have a good time together in Jesus. Are you kidding me? I have miles to go before I sleep. I want so much more of Jesus. I want to be made as holy as a man can be made holy on this earth. I want fellowship with Jesus like Enoch had with Jesus. I want fellowship like Paul had with Jesus. I want fellowship like Peter and James and John had with Jesus. So people tell me, Pastor, we worry about you sometimes because you're so intense about this. And you're so determined to have the fullness and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And and yet in the midst of all of that searching, I come to that place where there's a, a trap of casual indifference to Jesus. And I say, oh God, that's why I couldn't sleep last night. I ran into this trap of casual indifference to Jesus. I said, oh God, I can't stand this. It's so bitter to me. I want more. I can't stop here, Jesus. Break it. In the name of Jesus, break it. Destroy it. And then you come to Romans seventh chapter Verse twenty four A distressed man I am Who will deliver me out from the body of this death? Who will deliver me out of this body of being guilty before God? Don't give me some quick Intellectual piety. Oh you've f- you repented of your sins and you're good to go. No you're not. You've got to be made holy. Many are called, but few are chosen. I want to be chosen. I want you to be chosen. I want you to listen to this broadcast, and I want you to get right with God. I want you to get right with God. Not just intellectually. I want you to get right with God in your heart, in your spirit. I don't want you to have this casual indifference with Almighty God. Paul could only write these words if he had experienced them. We can only talk about what we experience. A distressed man I am. Who will deliver me out from this body of this death? You understand casual indifference to Jesus is death. Death you are violating the third great commandment of God. Paul's answer is
1: astounding.
0: and I want you to hear it. I thank God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, So then I myself indeed with the mind serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to the ones in Christ Jesus, not walking around according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. For the inability of the law, in that it was weak by means of the flesh, God having sent his own Son, and the similarity of flesh with reference to sin and concerning sin, he brought down judgments upon the sin while in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us, the ones not walking around according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the ones being according to the flesh, mind the things of the flesh, but the ones according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. I want you to get a hold of this. And I want to get a hold of it in my own heart. There's only one person who can deliver us from casual indifference to Jesus. And that's Jesus Himself. That's Jesus Himself. Only Jesus Christ can deliver you from the body of sin. The flesh cannot deliver us. Trying hard cannot deliver us. There is such a place of power and intimacy and love in Jesus Christ that we've got to get into. And it's going to take your time and your energy reading the scriptures and praying and getting honest with God and getting honest with other people. You're going to have to do that. You think you can spend your time pursuing money? You think you can pursue being busy in this world and always searching after what's going to satisfy the lust of your heart? Then you will break the third great commandment, and God will hold you guilty on the day of judgment. Because you only entered in part way. But you kept your pride. You kept your judgments. You kept your self-righteousness. And God says you're guilty. And you can't go to heaven. And you're shut out for eternity. I don't want that to happen to you. It takes your decision to get close, and it takes Jesus' decision to bring you through. And he will bring you through. Will you trust him to bring you through? Well, that's all the time. I'm getting a two-minute warning. Please write to me. Tell me what's happening. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenlee, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And Theodore... I missed you. I'm glad to hear you're back. And God bless you. Thank you for your very kind gift to Jesus for this broadcast. Well, you can go to our webpage, nationalperchapel.com. You can listen to this message again. My brother, and my sister, come to terms with the third great commandment. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. We'll cry out to the Lord together. I love you, my brother, my sister. I come and speak these messages because my heart is stirred with compassion for you. The church. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.